97.3 ESPN.com's Andrew DeCecco, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. You know, we, we recognize the, the ability of the roster that's, that's put together right now. And I think we have the ability to do something really special uh, with this group, but it's going to take a lot of hard work. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four. All right, Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast and brought to you by PlaySugarHouse.com. Sign up now. We'll match your first deposit up to 200 and fifty dollars. Andrew DeCecco is in the house. We got a lot of football to dive into on this Tuesday. Jim Schwartz today speaking. Dave Phipps speaking. Some of the Eagle players speaking as well. We'll get some more opinions now from Andrew DeCecco here on Football at Four. And I want to start off with the conversation we were having right before the hour began. Today, Jim Schwartz said that Avante Maddox, Andrew, will be uh, back on the outside. Uh, when he is healthy and ready to go, which we presume this week. He was active last week. Uh, he played some zone uh, schemes for them and some special team stuff. But getting Maddox back, uh, does that change the level of defense that we should see from this Eagles team? Yeah, I mean, it certainly helps. I mean, you never want to have a five foot seven corner in Nikel Roby Coleman or Craven LeBlanc outside or Will Parks playing on the outside. Avante Maddox is the best option that they have to play in that second cornerback spot is the ideal no, he's ideally more of a nickel corner, which I think will ultimately be his role next season. But as far as what they have to work with right now, that certainly is an added advantage. Yeah, I know you were high on Roby Coleman when he got here. He's been a little disappointing, but some of that is because he's out of position, I guess. I mean, does he slide back into that slot, and do you now get back him playing the position he belongs and Maddox in his spot out there? And I guess LeBlanc kind of becomes the reserve there. Uh, but do you expect Roby Coleman to maybe – have a better showing than he's had so far back in that slot. Yeah, I do. Once you get him back to his natural position, I, I think he should he should be playing a little bit more to the level that we've all grown accustomed to him, him playing over the past few seasons. But that's not to negate the, the effort that he's played with as far as the tackling concerns. And it seemed like he kind of gave up on that Daniel Jones uh, run down the field. There, these are certain areas he's going to have to clean up that no matter what position you're in, you have to be able to make these plays. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what has been the most disappointing part about Roby Coleman? Like, why did you like him as a fit when they signed him, and what has disappointed you about him now that he's here? Well, I, I liked his physicality for being only 5'7". I thought he was around the football a lot. He was a sound tackler. He was a good blitzer. He just closed on the football well. I, I, I just like his scrappy demeanor. Now, I haven't really seen that. We haven't really seen that since he's been here in Philadelphia. He seems to be, you know, trailing receivers. His, tackle, his tackling has been shoddy. He just hasn't been the player that, you know, he was advertised as being over his, you know, the past few seasons where he has been. He was regarded as being a top five slot corner in football. Um, but now, you know, we're at it. We're, you know, we're entering week eight and we really haven't seen that out of him, but now either the light switch is going to have to come on soon, or it's going to continue to be a platoon between him and Craven LeBlanc. What have you seen out of Will Parks since his return? Um, you know, Will Parks has been okay. I mean, this is, you know, after two games, he hasn't really made an impact one way or the other. Now he was trailing Ingram on that play where Evan Ingram dropped the football we'd be talking, it'd be a lot different conversation had Evan Ingram caught that football and the Eagles lost that game on account of that coverage. But I think overall, Will Parks has been okay. I would like to see him cover the tight ends, you know, more, uh, more efficiently and, and more frequently. That's kind of what he's 
brought in to do with that body type and, and his versatility. I'd like to see him deployed more on blitzes and, and kind of, you know, roam around, use him as a Swiss army knife. And, you know, that, it's only been two games, so I don't want to get ahead of myself too much, but um, he was, he's been touted for his versatility and his ability to kind of move all around the field and, and you know, impact the, uh, impact the passing uh, slow down of aerial attacks, I should say. And we really haven't seen that yet. Yeah, and uh, I'm interested to get your take on what they do with Mills. What kind of role does he have going forward here? I mean, with Maddox back, I mean, in Parks back, what where does Mills fit in? I think Mills is going to be the starting safety. Uh, he'll be starting safety opposite Rodney McLeod. I, I think uh, someone like Will Parks is is best utilized as not really having a role, being a positionless defensive back where you can move him around and let him roam around the secondary, and Jim Schwartz can deploy him wherever he sees fit based on the looks that he's getting. I think that's his best role, but I think Jalen Mills will continue to be in that, you know, in that strong safety spot. We talk about all these names in the secondary, I feel, every week. And you just mentioned Rodney McLeod. We knew that he would have to step up with Malcolm Jenkins leaving as more of a veteran presence and more of a leader out there. Do you like what you've seen out of Rodney McLeod to this point? Mostly, yes. I would say that Rodney has been, you know, his stats haven't been, you know, super gaudy or anything. But he's been that one player, I believe he's played every single defensive snap for the Eagles. Uh, he was a little bit out of position. He was the actually the primary culprit in that Daniel Jones run that we that I mentioned earlier, the one in which he fell um, with nobody around. But um, that was Rodney's responsibility. Um, but overall, outside of you know a blemish or two, I thought he's been a very consistent presence in the secondary, which is what you really would expect from a veteran of Rodney's caliber. And I, I, I just I, I like the leadership and the toughness that he brings, and he kind of is the glue that keeps that secondary together. Hey, uh, I wanted to get your take on, uh, we were discussing right before you came on, too, we're talking about the secondary, uh, Eli Apple release. Any interest, would he be a guy that uh, would help this defense out? I know he's been bouncing all over the place. Neither one of us really all that intrigued, but was the 10th pick local kid, um, and I know um, he, he didn't, you know, he's been injured a lot, too. Yeah, I thought I might be asked about Eli Apple. That's a resounding no from me. He's been bouncing around multiple uh, bunch of different rosters. He hasn't been able to stick in one position. You mentioned he was a first-round pick, and he is young. He is a young player. But, you know, with that said, having someone of that, you know, with that pedigree bounce around all these different teams and not be able to find a, a consistent role on any of those teams is concerning. And, yeah, you know, if I'm the Eagles, I'm staying away. Yeah, I know he was all right with the Saints, and then uh, they decided not to retain him, and that's not like a defensive powerhouse down there. Uh, and then it, it, my point, if Matt Rule – gives up on you i mean he seems like a guy who would be hey we're gonna give guys chances he gave him a chance and if he decides not can't do it that that tells me i think all i kind of need to know about eli apple but uh what is uh, other than the linebacker spot which we know the limitations of the eagles linebackers um how do you feel about the rest of this defense you're you're, you know we're getting about halfway through this uh the team's starting to get a little healthy here you're starting to get back to full strength the defense is pretty much at full strength other than what Malik Jackson being out how do you feel about this defense moving forward especially when you stack them up with Seattle doesn't have very good defense New Orleans defense is iffy um Green Bay's defense is okay how do you feel about this Eagles defense well I, I, I like the you know the way that the defense is trending, but they do have some problem areas there, such as the middle of the field. Outside of linebacker, they haven't been well adept at covering the middle of the field from the nickel from the nickel corner spot. They've been giving a lot of yards to to slot receivers, such as Tyler Boyd 
and um, and the Rams receivers that lined up in that role, uh, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Um, and then you look at outside corner, um, outside of Darius Slay, that second corner spot, no matter who lines up there, is going to be targeted early and often from whatever team um, whatever team they play. And it's going to be Avante Maddox. Avante Maddox is five foot nine. No matter what receiver you put against uh, Avante Maddox on the outside, they're gonna they're gonna have that catch radius. They're gonna have that size advantage over him. Avante is as scrappy as he is, as instinctual as he is. He's not going to win routinely on those contested ball situations. And those are that's those are areas of opportunities that teams are going to continue to to pounce on with the Eagles. What have you thought about Hargrave's production since coming back from the injury? We talked about him when he came here, like this big signing, playing next to Fletcher Cox and being in the mix with Malik Jackson. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I feel like I'm a little bit underwhelmed at this point. No, I don't think it's just you, Hunter. I, I would agree with that. I, I think that when you know Hargrave, who was brought in, he was touted as this—you know—that was the Eagles' prize free agent signing, and he was in the, very much an ascending player, and he still is in some re- in some regard. He's only 27 years old, but you haven't really—it's it, been a very slow progression with Javon. Obviously, he had the pec injury and missed some time this summer. He was still getting his sea legs, you know, in the early part of the season, but. Now you're not really seeing much penetration from him. He does occupy blockers, which does open up things for other defenders to make plays, which doesn't show up on the stat sheet. But, you know, you, you want to see, you look to see he's coming off a career season with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you really haven't seen much of anything um, from him as far as, you know, bringing, taking down quarterbacks, tackles for loss, things of that nature. And those are things that, you know, if he really starts to round into form, we talk about the Eagles' defense trending in the positive direction. Well, that would be that. That's a key. That's a key player here, and they haven't. She hasn't shown much yet, but um, he has done some encouraging things as far as you know, occupying blockers and opening things up for his teammates. Yeah, and I guess take it for what it's worth. I mean, he hasn't um, got the stats, but uh, Brandon Graham has six sacks this year. You got more sacks for him, more production, and that's what Hargrave did a great job of in Pittsburgh. Is he mm-hmm. took up double teams and and got push that you had to double team him and it, it allowed a, you know other guys to get sacks. So uh, this Eagles mm-hmm. defensive line, uh, if they can continue to get to the quarterback, um, that could be a big game game because look, they played the Giants who have a terrible offensive line. Cincinnati awful offensive line. This Dallas team has an awful offensive line, and if they can't get pressure against teams like that, they might need to change their game plan. Exactly, and that's the one thing that you're that you're seeing here. I, I thought that they would have had more success against the uh, the New York Giants, particularly at the going after Andrew Thomas, their left tackle. I thought Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett would have had a little bit more um, opportunities to create some pressure on Daniel Jones. I thought uh, Jannard Avery, he was he didn't play at all in defense. I went into the game thinking he would at least see you know twelve to sixteen snaps, and they would attack that side of uh, that edge, and it really didn't happen. Like you said, they need to be able to capitalize on some of these porous offensive lines because the Eagles' defensive line, that is their calling card. But that's what's going to be able to keep them in games. And if they're not able to get home, obviously Jim Schwartz doesn't believe in blitzing very much if they don't get home with their front four. The back end is going to be susceptible to some big plays. Yeah, uh, I know, too. Um, the back end you mentioned. Darius Slay, you know, he's obviously their guy. Uh, this week it's an interesting matchup, though. You got CeeDee Lamb, you got Amari Cooper, who's really had good games against the Eagles. Gallup has had some good games. Um, how do you see the secondary matching up with Dallas? I know uh, you might get uh, Ben Danucci and you might, or you might get uh, Andy Dalton, but they do have some playmakers. Yeah, and you know, no matter who's throwing the football, 
they're going to have an advantage at their wide receiver position. I mean, I thought Andy Dalton, you know, as many games as he started in the NFL, I did not see the offense sputtering quite like it did with him at the helm. That was kind of surprising to me because they had, he should be able to put up 28 points with his eyes closed with that kind of talent around him. But you have someone like Ben DiNucci, yes, the, there's going to be opportunities. I think that you're going to see Darius Slay on Amari Cooper and uh, CeeDee Lance played a lot from the slot. So you're going to see some of the Kel Roby Coleman, probably some strap because he has a little bit more size to him, a little bit more length from the cornerback spot. And then on the other side, Michael Gallup, you're going to probably see, he's going to see a lot of Avante Maddox. So that's kind of how I see that shaping out. Yeah, I know uh, today Jim Schwartz was asked about Alex Singleton and, and the blitzing role, and he kind of insinuated that we're not calling blitzes. He's kind of using some intuition there. But are you getting some sense that Schwartz is starting to trust Singleton more and that he is becoming more of their main linebacker. You know, we kind of hit on this a little bit yesterday, but after hearing him talk about that today, it almost seems like Schwartz is now kind of looking at Singleton as as the main linebacker. Yeah, and and to and to an extent that's a little bit scary knowing that he was on the, you know, he was nearly on the outs when they were doing the when during roster cutdowns. Um, but yes, he, he, Alex Singleton is the Eagles best linebacker and he has shown a lot over the past few weeks, as far as being an instinctual player that swarms to the football, did a great job disengaging from blockers, diagnosing plays fairly quickly, just a lot of instinctual plays that you're not seeing from the other players that they have there. And I think he keeps stacking these good games on top of one another. And when you keep doing that, you're proving that one game wasn't a fluke. This is the player that he is and he is able to make these plays. And I think, I, I mean, obviously, ideally, on, on any team around the NFL, Alex Singleton's probably a third or fourth linebacker. But with the Eagles, he's their best linebacker. <laughs> and until, until he proves that, you know, that he, can't, that he can't hold his own out there, I think he deserves to be out there. He's proven with every opportunity he's been given that he can, that he can find the football and make positive plays when he's out there. Well, in, in a league where they want the undersized, faster guys, I mean, he brings that to the table at least, and I think he at least has linebacker skill and intuition. That, that to me, is something that Geary lacks the most, is just having the intuition of being a linebacker. I mean, obviously he was a safety in college, and I think he lacks that when you see his footwork and his reads out there. I just don't think he understands the linebacker position fully yet. Well, what, where I think Nathan Gary particularly struggles is from an eye discipline standpoint. You know, oftentimes, team, quarterbacks are able to fool him with, with their eyes. He gets caught often looking into the backfield, and he doesn't have the makeup speed, the the instincts to be able to um, be able to close on the football late. If, if he's if he's a, a, a off a beat or two, well, guess what? Teams are going to attack him, and they have been attacking him with you know at a, at a high frequency, and then he's been giving up plays. He just doesn't have. The, the, the football IQ that for some reason Jim Schwartz has, has always touted him for, uh, he keeps getting fooled by undisciplined mistakes, and, and he's, he's very easily manipulated. Uh, Andrew DeCecco, Football of Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Uh, today, Dave Phipp, he was asked about Jake Elliott. It sounds like, and I'm included on that, no one's hitting the panic button on Jake Elliott. He missed a 29-yarder, but most of his misses have been 50-pluses, and I'm not going to get on a guy for missing a 50-yarder every now and then, but are you concerned about Elliott? Because it seems that that question is starting to come up from more people. Yeah, you know, initially I, 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 I kind of brushed it aside, and I thought he'd kind of work his way out of it, and then you start to see it rear its head again last week with, you know, I missed the, we haven't grown accustomed to seeing Jake miss in quite some time. 
I think now it's 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 gonna you know it's gonna send sound off some alarms here when you're seeing you know your your normally short footed kicker miss these routine kicks and when you really look around the NFL the the kickers around the NFL it's one of those positions where you're starting to see without with the exception of you know maybe three or four guys that are really entrenched as being one of the primary the one of the prominent kickers in the NFL you're seeing a lot of guys shuffling in and out in and out of rosters. A lot of teams are keeping a second kicker on the practice squad because they might not be 100% sold or confident on the one that they have. And there's just not a whole lot of stability from that position. I I think still, you know, Jake's errors, you know, recent miscues aside, I still think he's one of the better kickers in the National Football League. However, he needs to get this corrected over the next couple of weeks or he won't be, or, you know, the shelf life for kickers have proven that he's not going to be around here much longer. Another thing that was mentioned was Deshaun Jackson wanted to go back and return that punt. There was some conversation about was it the right move by Doug Peterson to put him back there? He's an in, a guy coming back from injury who was clearly limited. Is it worth putting him in that spot? Well, now you hear that Deshaun Jackson was the one that was vocal about wanting to go back there. Does that change your thoughts at all? No, not really. I mean, in that, in that situation, the Eagles put Deshaun in there for a home run type of situation when they're trying to make a big play or, or close out a game or something to something of that effect. And obviously, Greg Ward is their primary returner. Greg Ward is more of a sure-handed guy that you want back there. That's going to cleanly field the ball. He may not give you. He might give you six or seven yards per return, but he's not going to break the long one. Deshaun has that home run ability and. Every once in a while to make a cameo back there, I think that was always the plan. I don't necessarily fault anyone for that. It was a dirty hit. It was a late hit, you know, and, and that, that shouldn't have happened. And had, it, had that not happened, you know, we were not even talking about this. Yeah, I know uh, Jackson apparently, you know, um, you know, asked, as you mentioned, to, to get back there. Um, I like what you said about Ward. I mean, in that situation – uh, I was just, you know, my point was just have a guy back there to catch the ball, and that's basically what Ward has done. But the punt returner spot has been a problem because basically mm-hmm. Ward is a guy who's not a punter. The guy was a quarterback in college. Hey, go back there and field punts for us. So it is a problem. That that position has been a little bit of an issue for them. Yeah, it, it has, and they don't have that game breaker from that punt return spot. And like I said, you need to flip the field position. Greg Ward's not going to be that guy, no. but he is going to be someone that you can confidently say if he's back there, he's sure-handed, he's going to catch it. You remember Reno Mahe, of course, from the early 2000s. He was another guy that, you know, he, he, always, he always got ribbed for fair catching the football, but he rarely ever dropped it. And when they, when they got rid of Reno and they brought in J.R. Reed and they had Greg Lewis fielding punts and they both fumbled it, again. I think it was in the season over in 2007, Guess who they call it back? Reno Mahe, and right. he did the same thing. He averaged like five yards of return, but they could they, they could confidently put him back there and know that he was going to field the football uh, cleanly. So I, I think there's something to be said for that. But like you said, they don't have that game breaker back there, and and that's that's going to be a problem because no, there's look up and down the roster outside of Deshaun Jackson, there's really nobody else that they could put back there outside of maybe a John Hightower, and John Hightower is primarily a kick returner. Um, at Boise State. Right, I was going to say, there's a lot of these guys, you know, your Boston Scots, uh, Killens, uh, Huntley, uh, Quez Watkins, none of those guys were punt return uh, players? No, Killens was a kick returner at um, at UCF, as, as small as he is, as, as unbelievable as that may sound. But these are guys that I think if you're the Eagles or Dave Fipp, you don't want to put those guys. That, that, that's not the time to test that out. I think that those that's an experience. That, that's a classic example of something that would have been best served, you know, to kind of 
play around with that in the preseason, which they didn't, which no one had. And it's not time to kind of run that trial during the, during the regular season games. I think when they look at it in those terms, I think, okay, let's just put Greg Ward back there. We know what we're going to get. We'll take our six yards, get the offense back out there and, you know, and go from there. But um, they do have a lot of these return type of guys, but, you know, without a preseason to really know what they can do, it's, it's kind of hard to put them back there when, when, you know, in a live game setting. No, that's a good point is, you know, that's one thing that you lose is these running backs or these wide receivers, these younger rookies that you might give them an opportunity to win that job in preseason games. That being, you know, a lot of people look at these preseason games anymore and say, ah, you can't get anything from them. Nobody plays anyway. But there's a position right there where you can win a job and show a coach that, hey, I can catch and field the punt in a live situation that you don't get anymore. Yeah, exactly. And and that's another reason why preseason play is 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 integral to what you know to to what goes into a season to the roster decisions and things like that a lot of young players did were that that you know maybe were proficient returners but never got a chance to show that well they were on the outside looking in when cutdowns were taking place because they never had that opportunity and i think those are certain areas when you're looking at those that you know those that 50 50 51 52 53 spot when you're making those decisions those are you know those are that's a classic example of of you know why the preseason is so important. All right, Andrew Checo football at four. Uh, a look at the uh, Eagles uh, against the Cowboys. Um, you noted today that uh, Carson Wentz has played pretty well in games against the Dallas Cowboys. I would imagine that with this defense, that the Eagles' offense, if they can't right the ship against this defense, uh, then you could be looking at a tough year offensively because this is a game where they they should be able to put up thirty thirty five points. Yeah, the Dallas defense is not just the Dallas defense. The the entire Dallas team right now is they're kind of spiraling in the other direction. You know, you're starting to see things fracture within the the infrastructure of the team and the locker room and things of that nature. And this is this is the opportune spot for the Eagles to really pounce on a wounded team um, and a team that's kind of you know in disarray and put up some points. If they should they struggle with that with the Dallas Cowboys, given everything that's going on that's going to be problematic because the the Dallas the Dallas uh defense is not a very good unit right now and there's areas to exploit on the back end on you know in the in the running game and 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 you know the linebackers you can get those guys out in space there's just areas for the Eagles to really exploit and if they're not able to do that that's going to be cause for concern yeah I was going to say there's areas all over the field and uh Carson Wentz maybe he hasn't one thing he had the high tower um throw for you know 50 yards or so last week but I'd like to see him uh get a little bit better um throwing the ball out of the backfield to these running backs I feel like that's an area where he's still struggling a bit is connecting with Boston Scott and even when Miles Sanders is back there I feel like uh that's an area where I'd like to see him improve some more is throw the ball to the backs out of the backfield because I feel like there's a lot of big plays they miss in that game yeah, and, and, and part of the, you know, the, the selling point for keeping a guy like a Boston Scott and Corey Clement instead of getting that between the tackles bulldozer is, oh, you know, we don't have that big guy, but we do have two pass-receiving running backs that we use and can, you know, give, the, give a spark to the offense. Well, we really haven't seen much of that outside of maybe last week when you got Boston Scott involved in the passing game. I, I would like to see a little bit more of that because you saw what Corey Clement has done over his career and Boston Scott, that, that's, that's his strength. So get those guys out in space. Take advantage of 
of the linebackers inability to cover a lot of ground and, and really get the, get them isolated on those guys and, and let them kind of just go from there and add another layer to the offense. Uh, he's Andrew DeCecco, A. DeCecco, NFL. Follow him on Twitter. And, of course, he, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline, the football at four powered by the Inside the Birds podcast right here on the Sports Bash. Eagles-Cowboys Sunday night. Andrew's back on Monday to recap it all. Andrew, appreciate it, man. My pleasure, guys. Take care. All right, there you go. In uh, Football at Four, it is brought to you by PlaySugarHouse.com. Sign up now. They'll match your first deposit up to $250. By the way, did you know this? Travis Fulgham. There's that name again. Travis Fulgham uh, is the only receiver in the entire NFL right now. How about that? Like, just thinking about the statement. Travis Fulgham is the only receiver in the NFL with 350 receiving yards and three touchdowns receiving since week four. 350 or more and three or more touchdowns. He has 357 receiving yards. It's the most by any player, any player, in their first four games with the Eagles since T.O. had 364. You know what that made me think of? We're witnessing Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas and other people, Nelson Aguilar, they're thriving in other spots. And a lot of Eagles fans get upset about that, and they're mad at the Eagles for not being able to get the most out of them. That's the same situation that we're witnessing here after a guy gets cut from two teams. Those guys were high draft picks. That's true. Well, he was six-rounder, but yeah, that's not high. I get it. But I just feel sometimes the change of scenery and getting cut and experiencing the lows, that brings the most out of guys. And I think Travis Fulgham is a guy who experienced pain, getting cut. It motivated him to become what he is I now. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, most passing and touchdowns since week four. Tom Brady, 13. Kyler Murray, 12. Justin Herbert, 11. Deshaun Watson, 11. Carson Wentz, 10. Okay. Moving up. Are things turning around? We'll get into that and more. Who's in? Who's out? Tonight at 5.15. The PT's in the house. Tuesday with Thompson. But when we come back, it's your turn to take over the show. It's Ask Mike and Broads. Your questions are next. 609-403-0973. Send us a text with your questions. SPN. All right, time now for Ask Mike and Broads. This is where you guys can ask any questions you want. It's brought to you by PropSwap, where America buys and sells sports best check bets. Check them out online at PropSwap.com. If you, are, if you aren't doing it yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's where the best odds in the country are. PropSwap.com. They've got great tickets that you can go invest in. You can buy and sell tickets. If you have futures... You can sell your ticket at PropSwap.com. It's a great way to get in the game. I like a lot of the tickets over there, man. They got the Masters coming up. It's a great way to jump in on the Masters. You got Futures. How about the Pittsburgh Steelers at 9-1? to one? You can jump in on a ticket like that if you think they can win the Super Bowl and others. Get to PropSwap.com right now. Buy and sell the best odds in the country. All right, we got to ask Mike and Broad, 609. 403-0973. That's the number. Send us a text with your Ask Mike and Bros question, and we'll try to read off as many as we can. How about let's start with this one that just came in. Do you guys think Trevor Lawrence will stay another year at Clemson? There has been some talk that if the Jets get the number one pick, that he'd be better off just staying there. I mean, he could strong arm them and just say he was I mean, he could pull like a Eli like Manning. An Eli Manning or a John Elway. Right. Or a 
Eric Lindros. Do you think some people look forward to that opportunity? Like, you think that's going to ruin me? I'm that great of a quarterback? I'll take anyway. Or do you not think that that's a mindset of some players? I would imagine. Okay? Just my thought. Gase will be fired. Yes. So you would be going in with a totally new regime. Are they as bad as really their record and all the numbers say they are? Like, last year people thought that the, they were like a popular team to make the playoff. They signed Le'Veon Bell. They signed the linebacker. Uh, they had no business signing. But, like, they made signings last year, and people were like, oh, the Jets could be like an outside chance at a playoff. Now they're the worst team in football all of a sudden? I think that coach is a big problem. Huge. Dude, I think they're like a 21 Yeah, point well, it opened underdog. up at 21. It's down to 19 and a half. We talked about that with Jeff Nadeau. Yeah, just crazy. 20-something points it opened up with. Well, the last NFL. year in the NFL, we had the Dolphins a couple times getting 20. Yeah, I mean, that's just horrendous. If I see that as an owner, that's an automatic firing. In the NFL, a 20-point dog. Yeah, think about last year. Miami was a 20-point dog multiple times, and I think they found their coach. That's true. They did find their coach. I think he's a great coach. Different that, feeling, though, from what's happening. Well, they the covered year. the 22. I don't think they – I think they covered the 20 each time that they were 20-point dogs. All right, so that's what I would do. As an owner, I'd say, look, if you can cover, you can keep your job for another week. But once you don't cover the 20-point spread, then you're can't. Yeah, he's terrible. Gase is terrible. It's horrendous. So to answer the question, do, do I think he's going to hold back or should he hold back or any any variation of that? No, I don't think so. I mean, when you're that good and you're that talented, I think you believe in yourself. And you say, I don't care what the atmosphere is. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be the difference maker. I always say that about kids going to college. They think they're going to be that starting QB? Just anything. Like, I hate the, when, when like seven guys all go to Duke. Like, be the guy that says, I'm going to go to Davidson. Ooh. Right? Or Rutgers. I'm going to be the guy that puts this team. Right, Rutgers. Fine. Rutgers hasn't been to the NCAA tournament in basketball since, I mean. They had a nice run last year. Didn't they have a nice little hat? Well, there was do? no NCAA right. tournament, so we'll never know if they were going to get in. Right, that's true. But, but they, they had some been, noise. Yeah, but they haven't been into the tournament since the 90s. Well, then go there, then. You want to be that guy? That's go what there. I'm saying. Go there. Be the guy that's like, I'm not going to do what everybody else does. I'm going to be the guy that starts a legacy at this school, not follow everybody to that school. If I could go to Duke, I'd go to Duke, though. I'm, I'm not like a Duke fan, but I I embrace, because I'm a beauty of sportsmen, I embrace how much hatred these kids go through playing for Duke. I don't root for Duke to succeed, but I find that logo and everything about Duke basketball very intriguing from an outsider look in it. Are you just anti-Duke? Not really, but I'm not a Duke fan. Right, I don't root for them to I'm succeed. not a Duke fan. I'm not a North Carolina fan. That is my that is my all-time favorite rivalry, though. Yeah. Duke-UNC basketball. I'm that a is, WVUsman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm now, before I went to college and I was growing up, I liked St. John's. I always loved, like, uh, you know... Well, I love Big East basketball. Yeah, I love. I was gonna say I always. I, admit, I didn't finish. I always love Big East basketball. St. John's was kind of the team that I kind of uh, enjoyed watching when I was a kid growing up. They had like Malik Sealy. Um, they were you know pretty good. But once I went to school, all you know, it's not like you go to West Virginia and you're a fan of Miami. It doesn't make any sense. Right. I got you. Could have just applied to Miami if I wanted to go there. Probably a good time. Couple parties, maybe here and there in a Tuesday. No, no time is a better time than Morgantown. No time at all. Nope. None. 
I bet you Arizona State could be a better time than West Virginia. Not according to the rankings. Well, the rankings are flawed. Nope. Okay. I'm glad we settled that. Hey, I was there, I lived it, and I saw the rankings, and it wasn't just one fluky year. It's every year. Oh, I'm not saying that it's not a good party school. I just think that Arizona State. It's number one. Right, but Arizona State's better. It's not. But it is. Who's voting? People who go to West Virginia? Well, they're going to vote West Virginia. You know what I mean? People that travel around. But why should I trust their Playboy Magazine had, like, the poll of all polls. Yeah. That was, like... The official one. No, yeah. there was other ones, and West Virginia won those too. But Playboy had their poll, right? And the one year, no, West Virginia wasn't in it at all. And at the end, it said, sorry, West Virginia, professionals weren't included. Like, they got so tired of constantly ranking West Virginia number one. So it's like LeBron never winning the MVP because it's boring of giving LeBron the That's MVP. That's what it got down to. Like, my mom one time sent me in the mail. We were USA Today had one, and we were number one in that one, too. And it says <laughs> on there. You know that? It says, we're what? It was on the front page of the West Virginia paper. We're what? And then it was like, ha, ha, ha. Like, West Virginia wins dubious distinction, dot, 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 again. Well, you should check out Rowan. It's my time at Rowan. I've been to Rowan. Nice campus. Yeah. Uh, Beau Rivage. Was that the name of the little living area over there? I don't even know. I was an off-campus man my time. I've been to a lot of different places. You know, when I did the play-by-play for West Virginia, I traveled with the team. So I was at Syracuse, Virginia Tech. For those hockey games? Yeah. um, Like UConn. I went to Miami before. Tulane was a lot of fun because you're in New Orleans. But that's not like a college atmosphere. That's fair. I think ASU, though, is. That's legit competition. You know who went to ASU? A lot of people. That we know? No, I don't. Scott Grayson. Oh, yeah? Yep. Now, Grayson went to ASU, but he worked in Morgantown covering West Virginia. All right, so that maybe he's the one that we should ask this question to. Sure. Because he had a little bit of both sides. Yeah, my 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 friend's sister also went to ASU. Okay. Now, he went to WVU, and she went to ASU. All right, maybe another conversation. Just different. Have. Very different. No, I'm with you. I'm not downplaying how great of a party school both are at the end of the West day. Virginia, I mean, uh, Arizona State, people like and think that those places have a better scene because of the weather. True. Not because of role. what they can offer. Well, you can go swimming in the middle of December at pool parties in the backyards. Right, if you're looking for a backyard party. Like, Morgantown's more of... Bar scene? It has the most bars per capita in the country. Right, so it depends on what your vibe is. Yes. Both are fun, no doubt. I got a question here from Ryan. How do you guys view Miles Sanders in the league compared to other running backs? Would you say top five, top ten? Just to name a few, Zeke, Barkley, McCaffrey, Kamara, Chubb, Dalvin Cook. Good question. Where's Miles Sanders? I think he's at the running back position when he's healthy. That's the problem there. I think he's a top ten back. Top ten, yes. Top five, no. Top ten, though. Yeah, I think it's fair to be in that top ten range. Yeah, I'm trying to, like... I think Zeke Elliott is very good, but I think he's starting to hit the decline button a little bit. And I'm not saying drastically, but I think you're starting to see that he's starting to slip a little bit. Every name that I mention here, I I feel I would want over. Derrick Henry is the best, I think, right now. But how much longer is he going to do it? That's the one question with him, I think. Like, you had guys like 
Sean Alexander, who was great for like five, six, seven, and then he just wasn't anymore. Jamal Lewis was great for like four or five years, and then he just wasn't anymore. I guess it just depends, though, because Derrick Henry is the most dominant guy right now, but that wouldn't fit every team's system. Like, you would need to have a whole entire offense built around Henry where with Kamara yeah. and Chubb and Barkley, it's a little different of a, of a usage than, say, with well, Derrick Henry. Miles Sanders is 12th in the league in rushing, and he's only played five games. My biggest concern with Sanders is... When it comes to the second half, when it comes in late in games, like this fatigue factor, like there is something to be said about the conditioning side of things and getting a lot of those carries in, in the NFL. He's right averaging 6.1 yards per carry. Of all the running backs, that's the best. And Doug Peterson doesn't even run the ball enough. We're screaming he doesn't run it enough. It's also the least amount of carries out of everybody in the top whatever. Like he has 71 carries this year. He's 12th in the league in rushing. The next lowest amount of carries in the top 20 is 92. Nope, Daryl Henderson, 87. And he's played in seven games. He has 87 carries. Sanders is the most explosive. He's the big play guy. I think we just we haven't got a great chance and example size of what he really could be. If he had more carries, there's two ways to look at it. He can keep doing that and keeping up the yards per carry. Or well, He's not going to average six yards right, a carry. Right, right, that's my point. The more carries, is just going to end up lowering what those numbers are, and then you'd be more like a four guy or whatever the case well, may be. Well, 86 yards a game. If you look at the 86 yards a game, other than Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook, he's the best, next best in the league. I wonder how much of that is skewed, though. And, and look, you can't take this away because this is something that he's been doing consistently as a late but, you know, those 74-yard runs or whatever, like, it, it seems like that's skewing his total yardage because of a couple home runs. But that's that's the beauty of Miles Sanders. He can give you that home run type play, which is very useful with your running back. Yes, big time. Uh, but to answer that guy's question, I put him in the top 10. Top 10 is a good spot for him. Yeah. Yep. I, I like Henry. I like... I like, mean, let's be realistic. Zeke, Barkley, McCaffrey, Kamara, better. Barkley's not even playing right now. True, but overall, I mean, you would take yeah. Saquon Barkley. Dalvin Cook? I like Cook. Not as much as I like Clyde Edwards. Elair. Would you rather have him or Miles Sanders? Uh, probably Sanders. Yeah, I agree. One-on-one, mano-a-mano, Sanders. I think the way that they're getting a lot of production based off all their other weapons is why Elair is, you know, being who he is. Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, just spitballing a couple that he threw at us. I like Sanders better than both those guys. I like... Um, I mean, I think I might even squeeze him into the top eight. That's I like probably a, like in the James right Robinson right now is seventh in the league at rushing, which is a great story. But I'm not taking him over Miles Sanders. No, 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 no. Uh, Todd Gurley, I'm not. I take Sanders right now over Gurley. I think Gurley's kind of, even though he's had a decent year, I think he's kind of losing it a little bit. Um, I like Josh Jacobs. I think he's been a little disappointing. He, he died had, down a bit. Yeah, he had a big start. So. Top, top 10, top 8. Okay. Tony, if the Eagles' defense gets burned by Danucci, do we riot the streets until Jim Schwartz is fired? You should be upset. Yes. I mean, don't do anything stupid based on what's happening in Philadelphia right now. I would certainly not want to tell anybody to do something to that nature. But, yeah, you should be upset. 
That's the only way that I feel this Dallas team has a shot is if Jim Schwartz gets out-schemed by the Dallas Cowboys offense because it would be really hard for me to imagine. Just say Eagles that to yourself again. I, I know, I know. But the Eagles, defense, the Eagles offense struggling against the Cowboys defense, I find it very hard for that to be the scenario, right? Yeah. Sports Bash, uh, ask Mike and Broad. One sports radio talk show, The Sports Bash, with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN-FM. All right, Mike and Broads on a Sports Bash Tuesday. It's a Tuesday with Thompson and PTs in the house in about 15 minutes from now or so, even less than that. Less than that for the PT. Tomorrow, big show for you, Jason Fitz, Jeff Mosher, Fine Five, Ugly Five. We still have who's in, who's out tonight as well in the 5 o'clock hour. So we'll tell you the 14 teams we think will make the NFL playoffs. A lot of movement for me. A lot of movement. changes, huh? Yeah, a lot of movement for me. A lot of movement on DraftKings when it comes to these lines as well. And to celebrate the showdown in Happy Valley, DraftKings is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when placing a bet on Ohio State or Penn State. Also, you can re receive a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 973. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You want a leftover Mike and Broach question? We got one. I'll, uh, yeah, we got a couple. I'll, I'll uh, get involved. Okay. I'll we partake. A, we got a couple here. We'll go with this one. If Brett Brown was such a good coach, why wasn't he interviewed or hired? He's been waiting for this one, I would imagine. It's a weird time to ask it. Yep. He's probably saved it in his notes, waiting for us, Mike and Broads. I'm going to get these two. I don't know that there was a great spot for him out there, to be honest with you. Like, I, I will say I thought he was going to get scooped up almost, you know, right away. But when you look at it, you know, a lot of these teams, I think the teams that look at Brown aren't looking at him to be the guy. Like, the teams that end up having coaching hires are – uh, the Pacers, who were kind of like a middle-of-the-road team. New Orleans, who is trying to go from non-playoff team to like that next step. So I thought New Orleans might have been a spot that maybe said, but not really because... What about Chicago? Um, nah. Well, let's be realistic. A, a team like the Clippers, ready to go Clippers win a wouldn't championship, hire him, right. would not hire yeah. Brett Brown. No, I thought Brown would be hireable to a team that was bad and looking for that guy to rebuild them. Not right. a team that was not a Clippers, not a Pacers. The, the, the Pelicans is interesting because they didn't make the playoffs, but they didn't have Zion all year. So they're kind of like an up-and-coming team. I didn't think there was a great fit for him out there. Yeah, that, that doesn't mean that he is a bad coach. It just means he has a specific role. There's plenty of coaches in the NBA that are not the difference in winning a championship or not. You know what I mean? Like, there's plenty of just average NBA coaches throughout the league. Majority of them are just average coaches, and I feel that was Brett Brown. He's not a horrendous one, but I, I bring this. I, I thought about this when I read that. Stan Van Gundy just got hired, right? And he's been out of the league for a while. There's people who have been very... Oh, wait, Rockets is another one where... Yeah. I don't think Brown would be the right fit for. Although, I actually think Brown would be an interesting pick for them. Brown wants to do a lot of pace and space, shoot the three. Maybe getting a guy with that type of um, you know, um, system 
not exactly what they were doing, but same principles, shooting the three a lot, pace and space. That might be a decent – Houston might have been a decent spot for him. Yeah, that's true. But I brought up the Stan Van Gundy thing because he's been out of the league for a little bit, yet people are intrigued by Stan Van Gundy. His name came up before the Sixers hired Doc Rivers. I that had guy, zero interest me in too. him. Me too. I agree. But I'm bringing it up because he was out of the league for a while, and then, oh, here's this coach. Maybe he can do something. It's like Brett Brown. Okay, he just got fired. Who knows? Maybe a couple years down the road. He's someone who gets picked up again. It's just it's just so raw and happened so quickly. There's plenty of time for him still to get hired within the next couple of years. I, I, I thought he would at least get an interview. I agree, though. Yeah, like Billy Donovan got fired and got hired, you know, so did Doc Rivers. Like, these guys got fired and boom, right back up. I thought he would have at least got a an interview with... Uh, I, I, the, the Houston one, I think, is maybe a decent fit for him. The other ones... Not real sure. Well, I don't like or, I that. don't like New Orleans for him. What? Jeff Van Gundy, right? With yeah, the I don't know what they're doing out there yet. Brooklyn too. They hired Steve Nash, but that was um he wasn't gonna go to Brooklyn either. Alright, Sports Bash PT's on the way Tuesday with Thompson. And then uh, who's in, who's out. We'll do that in the 5 o'clock hour. Stick around. The Sports Bash is live on 97.3 ESPN. Download the free mobile app on your phone.